Just because a label states that an ingredient is present in the supplement you're taking doesn't mean you're obtaining its full benefit. The key is bioavailability how much is absorbed, and gets to where it's needed. That's why I recommend and use Future Farm Botanicals. Future Farm sources the most potent, highest quality ingredients, and then uses liposomal technology to assure optimal uptake. All Future Farm formulas are custom organic blends, crafted from the finest raw ingredients by certified chemists and herbalists. Future Farm offers some of the most innovative products I've seen in quite a while, addressing a variety of issues, from inflammation to immune support. I use their supplements, prescribe them in my practice, and I'm proud to recommend them to you, listeners of Intelligent Medicine. For more information and order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuturephafm, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. All Future Farm products are all natural, science-based, and work without adverse side effects. MyFutureFarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, with a fireside chat of sorts uh, for those of you who may be experiencing uh, the extraordinary stress of this unprecedented crisis, uh, COVID-19, lockdown, uh, uh, isolation, social distancing. Uh, they're all uh, putting a big crimp in our lives. Uh, and for some people, uh, they're causing high levels of stress and anxiety. Uh, it's unavoidable. Uh, with us today, uh, Dr. Nando Pelusi. Uh, he's uh, one of my colleagues here in the New York City uh, Community of Health Practitioners, a licensed clinical psychologist. Uh, and uh, he's on the board of advisors of the National Association of Cognitive Behavioral Therapists. He also uh, writes frequent articles for Psychology Today. Uh, and by the way, uh, Nando, where can people find your articles? I guess psychologytoday.com. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Well, psychologytoday.com. And there's also a therapy directory uh, if people are looking for uh, uh, people to uh, uh, pursue um, in, uh, in their location. Great. Okay, so um, what precisely is CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, not CBD, because, yeah, that could relieve anxiety, but I'm talking CBT yeah. as in Tom. Right. I, uh, that's a, that is a, a great question because, you know, it, if you want to learn to play guitar, sometimes you just need to learn three chords and then you've got it. And I think CBT is kind of a fractal approach in that same regard. Mm -hmm. uh, you can, you can, Learn a little bit about it, and you can work on it on your own, and then uh, you can consult a professional and uh, zero in. And there are different CBT therapists now. I, I worked with uh, Albert Ellis, who was one of the founders, really, of CBT. The progenitor of this, yeah, right. He actually uh, came to my wedding and sang a couple wow. of songs. <laughs> about, about, you know, about the pitfalls of marriage, actually. But, <laughs> but That's special. Uh, and I loved CBT because um, I wasn't interested in psychology per se. Well, I was interested in psychology, but not the the, the standard Freudian stuff. That, that that didn't really turn me on much. But when I heard CBT approach, I said, "This is a marriage of philosophy, uh, ancient wisdom, and also uh, practical science because we're able to uh, use the uh, scientific method on our own." Our own lives, you know, on our thinking, on our feeling, on our behavior. We can test 
what happens when we tell ourselves A versus B versus C uh, and what we believe is important. And um, so that opened up a whole world. I got uh, very interested in understanding it. And in, in a nutshell, I can tell you what I do. I uh, Clients usually come in and they have a an emotional issue or a behavioral issue they want to work on. And what I do is I say, well, let's look at how you think about this. And they say, wait, what, what do you mean? What, what do we, what are we doing? And I say, well, they say, well, I'm I'm telling you a story here. I mean, I've got a lot to tell you. I mean, let me tell you about how it was when I was a kid and my parents didn't treat me right. And, you know, I was bullied and it's like, they want a long, really long narrative. And it, 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 for some people, the image they have of psychology uh, they got from watching The Sopranos. And that, in some yeah. ways, is not a very good portrayal of, of what the potential of psychology is, because as we know, Tony Soprano uh, was a really messed up guy. And season after season after season, he kept seeing Dr. Melfi, and yeah. he obtained very, very little in the way of benefit and insights. But he kept seeing her, telling his story, sharing. Yeah. And it, it, it you know, it, it, I think it kind of discouraged people about the potential uh, yeah, for psychology bad. because he ended up remaining a, a murderous, rage-filled yeah. person. I I loved the show, but I had to fast forward those Dr. Melfi scenes. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't tolerate them. Yeah. But I, I have to say, that's exactly right. I think you've, you've, you've hit on the most important part of that, is, is people get into the situation you know somebody will say well i'm telling you about my mother why you know what she did and why are you focusing on me and what i tell myself uh but that's the key uh so if you're going to learn the three chords on the on the cognitive therapy guitar uh what i'd say is tune into not just what happens but how you respond emotionally and what you're doing to mediate some of that now um Within reason, you know, like I, I use the analogy of uh, two people go into a into the water on the beach, and one person um, uh, gets scared, jumps up and down, runs out screaming, they're crying. The other person is, you know, having a blast. Mm-hmm. They're diving in. They're having fun. Obviously, it's the same wave mm-hmm. that they're dealing with. But I, I uh, sometimes were, use the singing in the rain analogy. You know, a lot of people go, oh, it's raining. Oh, my goodness. Oh. And other people, you know, like Gene Kelly, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, put on their dancing shoes and, you know, do a, a dance number in the pouring rain. <laughs> it's a different approach <laughs> to the same situation. Also, uh, John Lennon, when the, when the rain comes, they run and hide their head. He yep. said they might as well be dead, which is a little extreme, but yep. uh, that's John Lennon. Yeah, so, uh, but, but here's the thing. So that opens up an entire, um, lexicon of empowering things you can do. Now, that doesn't mean you don't want to change the circumstance. And I think that's the, the other error. I think some, some people go too far and they say, well, as long as I, you know, just tolerate everything or I learn equanimity or learn passivity that's not what we want either it's in a we bad want- relationship you know a bad uh, bad job situation or a bad uh, marital situation you know that kind of thing yeah and 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 sometimes people stay in bad relationships because they're emotionally disturbed and they really don't know how to gain uh, an empowering self-directed approach now i think some of that comes from specific beliefs so what i do with clients is i 
tune into uh, specific philosophies that they may have, and some of those could be historic, traditional, some of those could be uh, um, catastrophic thinking, you know, where, well, if I assert myself, then something horrible will happen, and then they, they're, they're scared and they're paralyzed from pursuing a, a practical problem. So How is catastrophic stream, uh, thinking uh, manifest in this uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic? Uh, what, are we, what are we seeing? I mean, I, you know, I think we have examples of it from the press, you know, that millions of people are going to die, uh, that it's inevitable that we're all going to catch it, uh, that, uh, you know, we're going to be in a prolonged uh, depression, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, and frankly, there, there is no form of catastrophic thinking that doesn't have its basis in some scintilla of true possibility, right? Oh, correct. Yeah, that's that's why we want to distinguish um, r- r- real practical threats from emotional uh, vulnerability. And and the the catastrophic thinking that uh, I think is a problem is that we're unaware of it. That we're responding as though uh, we're we're in a, a constant panic mm-hmm. about a lot of, you know, it's like a, we we have this particular th- threat now and uh, we now we know it. Mm-hmm. The paradox interesting because I remember my my uh, wife telling uh, someone that that she was concerned and this was in in January February and the person was laughing it off and saying come on you're you're being crazy mm-hmm. and. She, and my wife saying, no, this, this is this is a really potential, exponentially uh, challenging thing that we better l- work on. And she's also a professional psychologist, so she's a, a health practitioner, and she, you know, is attuned to these things. Oh yeah, she's she's the editor of Psychology Today, uh, but um, it doesn't practice. But um, oh, okay. But but now now that that person is 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 almost is panicking, so. That's why the, um, the, the, the problem of, of, of extremes in, and dichotomous thinking is that there's nothing to worry about. Let's sweep it under the rug and then. It should not be binary. Oh my, yes, right. right. So our, th- our threat meter. So this is the, 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 the challenge. Our threat meter needs to operate. We can't be in denial. We can't be oblivious, but our threat meter also doesn't have to be tuned up to an 11. Uh, to use an analogy from the movie Spinal Tap, right? You know, it, it's, it's, right. We, we need to kind of modulate our threat meter so that our threat meter, uh, doesn't paralyze us with incapacitating emotions. Yes, uh, there's the, a the difference between, uh, music and noise. Mm-hmm. No, noise constantly at 11, mm-hmm. but you want light and dark, you know, the, the Led Zeppelin approach, you, you, soft and, and hard. That, that is what we want. We want something responsive. If you, if you have a, a Ferrari and you're, you're constantly driving at 200 miles an hour, that's not good. We want, we want you to drive it very carefully under certain circumstances, mm-hmm. and then when you have a chance, then you have that responsiveness. We want the same thing from our emotional uh, set. We want great responsiveness, precautionary responsiveness when it comes to uh, threats that are uh, abstract. In this case, the, the issue was an abstract news story. Well, there's such a, a range of possibilities because, uh, you know, there have been instances where the authorities have been wrong. Uh, they've urged complacency in the face of mortal danger. And I'll give you an example. It's actually a personal example from my family history. Uh, my grandfather 
and uh, my mother and my uncle and my uh, grandmother uh, were in Brussels, Belgium uh, in 1930, I guess 1940, uh, when the Germans invaded Belgium. And uh, when that happened, uh, the uh, government of Belgium and the military authority sent uh, sound trucks around through Brussels saying, uh, citizens of Belgium, be calm. The military situation is well in hand. We will repulse the German invaders. Uh, please stay home and do not block the roads because the military needs them for transportation. Uh, all will be well. Uh, my grandfather, uh, a prescient person and a Jew, uh, said to the family, he said, we're getting the hell out of here. Right. And uh, he had a car. He jumped into his Chevrolet, which was kind of an unusual thing for people to have in those days, American car. He was relatively prosperous. And he started driving. And every time he came to a roadblock, he said, he turned over, uh, turned around, and he drove literally across the fields until he found refuge in France. And the rest is history. My family survived. That's why I'm here today. Because, precisely because, he ignored these uh, dilatory uh, reassurances that everything was going to be okay. So, you know, you really have to fine-tune uh, your threat sensors and very be, be very selective. And, you know, on the one hand, you know, catastrophic thinking uh, may turn out to be the path to survival. So I think that's really the trick under these circumstances. That's brilliant. Yes, and that's a, that's a that's an inspiring story. And I and I think uh, you're right that that we want to distinguish the ca catastrophic thinking from the reaction. Now, if your reaction is passivity, then that's not or good. Or paralysis. Well, yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, we. I mean, we can have a, a precautionary delay, but you know, if if you sense danger. You know, as as uh, your ancestor did, then uh, you can use your your neocortex to override your mm -hmm. your uh, animal uh, and lizard brain. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, you know the the frontal brain uh, versus the amygdala. I guess the amygdala is considered the the fear center. There's some interplay going on there, and how do we uh, you know how do we manage that interplay? Because this is not something that we can suppress. This is the product of uh, millions of years of exquisite evolution, and we yeah. carry it around with us. Right. Yeah, and, and we, we don't want to suppress it. I think we want to handle it. And uh, the the analogy I use is uh, fear of public speaking. <clears throat> you know, I'll often ask a, a, a client something like, well, what's, you know, what's the worst that could happen if... Uh, if uh, you go up to this woman and you ask her for her phone number and she says, get lost, uh, or you, you do a public talk and you people boo, what's the worst that can happen? And they rationally, you know, at the, at the neocortical level, say, well, I see that there's nothing really mm -hmm. that bad that mm -hmm. happened, but my gut is is crippled. I'm, I'm so scared. I'm feeling really upset. And even though I know, quote, rationally, that there's nothing to fear. So that is the uh, challenge of therapy. It's it's understanding what you tell yourself, kind of putting words to that fear, and then by questioning it, by examining it, maybe collaborating with a, a professional mm -hmm. who can guide you, what you can do is start to navigate it. And mm -hmm. so then, you know, we'll have somebody who says, you know, I used to be afraid of public speaking, but now I love it. I do it all the time. Mm -hmm. 
do it. Or, uh, you know, or I that would be me. I absolutely had, I'd had mortal terror of, of speaking to a group of more than eight people. And now, you know, I do these broadcasts and radio programs and talk to huge audiences and, and I kind of get a rush out of it. I, I enjoy it. And I, and I've benefited from your program for, for many years. So, so thank you. That's, that's great. So, so, so what you're saying is we should, in, we should look at our fears, but interrogate our fears for insights into how we react uh, and uh, understand that. I mean, the feeling's going to be there. It's not, we can't suppress it, but we can uh, understand it. And in some ways, right. by understanding, we can diffuse uh, the energy that that uh, uncontrolled fear uh, uh, accumulates. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's, you know, your your situation is a good example. You're you were able to understand that you had goals that you know your emotions weren't on in line, and uh, you worked towards your goals. And I assume that you changed the philosophy after a while. And so now, my you, you don't you don't feel the same the same responses that somebody who avoided would have. Actually, they would have re. It's interesting. I, I think with regard to that, and I think you're also, uh, to some extent, a public speaker in various venues, is you can actually harness that fear. And many uh, actors uh, right. claim to have had tremendous stage fright. And many performers, you know, some of the top uh, vocal artists uh, and uh, instrumental artists uh, say that they have this uh, fear reaction before they go in front of an audience. But they kind of harness that uh, to uh, promote their... Uh, the intensity of their uh, performance. It, it actually is uh, something that uh, has a, uh, a focusing effect on them rather than uh, an incapacitating effect. Let's put it that way. Yeah, some of, some of the greatest. I mean, I, I've heard uh, Helen Hayes, uh, Lucille Ball. Uh, I think, I don't, I'm not sure if Red Skelton. I think a, a lot of people have said uh, they, you know, every night was opening night jitters. Some of them got nausea. Uh, and, um, yeah, and I think they harnessed it and they've stayed, uh, their performances were always lauded as, as fantastic and great. And I think that's, that's a huge part of it is, um, is that they were able to harness that energy for, for, for a positive goal. So, uh, any final insights for people out there who are uh, looking for inspiration in the face of this uh, unprecedented challenge? Yeah, my 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 I I I cut short my CBT lesson. I I think I lost the thread there. Yeah. Yes. The, the 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 main thing I wanted to say there was that I, I look for where you are the creator of your rem- emotion. Take responsibility is what I say in general. Now, obviously, everybody is a little different, and everybody has their own particular weakness and strength. But I like to look at. Um, Tuning into uh, what you tell yourself about certain things, especially if you're having an emotional or a behavioral response to it that you you know is self-defeating or you know is not helping yourself or your family or your community. Um, if you're doing something you don't want to do or if you're not doing something you do want to do, uh, tune into what you really believe about the world, about yourself, about others. And I think if you pin those things down, that will open up a, a world of um, 
aspects that you can start to tinker with and control gently. You don't have to go and slash everything. Some people go to the other extreme. You know, people who are very shy sometimes go to the other extreme and they become boorish and calloused. We don't want that. Mm-hmm. We want you to stay you, uh, but to to master some of those things that are unhelpful and to retain emotions, even when they're strong and even when they're negative, that are helpful. Indeed. Uh, give us again a way that uh, people can find out about the stuff you've written. Uh, one thing that uh, I highly recommend to our audience, an article entitled Rethinking Catastrophic Thinking, when <laughs> overreaction helps the community even at personal cost. Uh, and that's yeah. a very thoughtful piece that, um, uh, you know, we talked of, uh, about some of the issues in that piece. Yeah, my, my point there uh, was that sometimes the, the things that uh, is, is good for the group uh, occasionally and temporarily can override what is good for us. So we don't like staying home. We don't like constantly washing our hands and showering and leaving our clothes outside. But those, uh, those things have a, an aggregate effect. And uh, they can help defeat the uh, this current threat at the group level. Yeah, I mean, in a way, we should behave like ants do when you know our colony is threatened. And it's an amazing thing. Uh, these are very primitive organisms, but there's an amazing amount of uh, social cohesion. Uh, if uh, you know there's uh, a flood, uh, or if uh, you know uh, a sadistic kid you know stomps on the ant mound, uh, the the entire community rallies uh, and to protect uh, the integrity and, and survival of the community. It's it's you know part of our uh, heritage biologically uh, that we have this uh, societal imperative, and I think that we're beautifully demonstrating this in the face of this uh, crisis. Is that uh, people are are uh, hanging together? There's you know not social disorder and chaos. Um, uh, I think there's some good signs that we'll weather this. Very, yeah, that's that's correct, and and I think that this common enemy uh, affects us all, especially with its potential secondary effects. I mean, it's not just mortality, but it's also the morbidity. You don't want to feel chronically sick, and you don't want to tax the the um, healthcare system and uh, overrun it, and things like that. So there are secondary, tertiary effects. On your on your on your immediate family and on your community and on the world at large. Okay, so let's uh, all be uh, a little uh, altruistic uh, and uh, help each other out uh, to some extent by uh, <laughs> by remaining alone. That's kind of a paradox. <clears throat> yeah, phys- uh, like I said, uh, I think uh, uh, physically alone, but socially in- 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 interacting online. I think this, we're we're kind of blessed that we have. Uh, the technology to to be able to do it, uh, like you said, we don't have the Nokia phone now. We have uh, we have other means. Indeed. Well, and this communication is part of that. Uh, as we uh, minister to our community of intelligent medicine listeners, we're providing hopefully uh, helpful advice uh, and comforting advice to get them through this. So, thanks for being a part of that, uh, Doctor Nanda Pelusi. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Doctor Ron. Talk to you soon. Take care, Nando. All the best to you and your family. Yeah. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. 
but vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site, it's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant, and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com. drhoffmanstore.com.